You are listening to Comfortably Uncomfortable Conversations with your host, Devin J. Hall. We respectfully acknowledge that we are blessed by the land upon which we gather, live, and connect. It is the traditional and unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples, specifically the Kwantlen, the Katsi, the Semiamu, the to- and the Tawasan First Nations. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Kelly, Rev, Reverend Kelly from Kelly's Green Lounge in Ontario. And I'm I'm really excited to have you. I'm and I, again, I say this every episode. I'm always excited to have guests on my show um, because it feels good to have people spend their time with you. But I'm, I'm specifically excited because I believe you were one of the first female-owned cannabis lounges in Ontario. And I, one of I the mean, I mean, I probably, probably, yeah, I think so. I never, I've never heard of another cannabis uh, lounge that is owned by a woman anywhere. So I don't know. <laughs> That's a great statement. I, I know that there are some cannabis lounges in Toronto that are owned by men, but I know that there's not a lot of cannabis lounges. So I will agree with the probability of that being very likely. So tell us how long you've owned your lounge and how did it get started? Well, uh, Kelly's Green Lounge actually started virtually as sort of like an online platform before we opened up a real store. Um, I was, uh, I knew that there was a need for this kind of information around legalization. And I was always a hippie. I came from um, a corporate land of uh, childcare and teaching. And I left it to go and open up this business. Um, But we didn't open up an actual lounge until about a year into KGL existing. And the reason why we opened up the actual brick and mortar was because we were just so popular and well known online. We had such a good um, basis of of people that really liked what we were doing in a a community. And I was doing little pop ups in places like it would be like one portable here and a parking lot there and yoga token a park and people just really were coming. And so we thought, well, I think we better open up a little store or a little lounge. And um, I live in a place of 1200 people, 1200, not very many, like a little tiny village. And um, there was a little shop that came available at the right price for renting. And it was family owned. And then as soon as I announced that we were opening up there, oh my goodness, the mayor was happy and the the regional chairs were like, they're, oh my goodness, we are so excited about cannabis coming here. And then it really flourished. And for about four or five months, we were really, 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 really successful. Our doors were never closed and people were coming there all the time. And any event that we had was like very, very well received. And then the apocalypse hit. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it. It's a good way to put it. If you all could see her face right now, it's so cute. Yeah. Um, that really speaks to, I wasn't sure what we were going to talk about today because I do want to talk about cannabis because both our platforms are basically built on the backs of cannabis. But more than that, I want to get to know who you are. And I really feel like that speaks to just the universe being like, it's time, Kelly, pay attention to this message. Well, yeah, for certainly. Um, I, I, I was so... I came from uh, the background, I I worked in the music industry and then I was a teacher, but when I worked in the music industry, I'd go on a lot of tours with like very well-known electronic music DJs and I hosted festivals and I I did a lot of that kind of stuff. So if you had told that Kelly in my twenties that um, I would be a minister, an ordained minister later in life, I would have gone, 
no effing way. Cause I swore back then I said the actual F word. I don't say any F words now or any curse words now. So I've done this like completely different transition, but I, I seem to transition every decade of my life into sort of a morphed different human. And, um, and this one, I am a spiritual, my des spiritual designation is cannabis. So that's, I guess what you would call a religion. Um, and I am an ordained minister of cannabis and that is my true uh, belief system. And so that's the message I spread and that's why I do what I do. I think that's really cool. I didn't know that you could become, I mean, I guess in the world, the world that we're in, you can become anything you want. So the idea that you would become a minister of cannabis just makes sense. Um, there are, one of the things that I've really been, I guess, made aware of is that there are several sides to the cannabis industry. There's, um, the, like the business side of it, which is, you know, about the bottom dollar and, and making sure that customers get their product. But then there's also the religious aspect of it, which you've just taught me about. There's the race aspect, there's the women aspect, and you kind of sort of flip between all of that. Um, you work really closely with the Bud Sisters, for instance. How did that happen? Oh, I love this. So uh, it was this maybe... I think it was about August this year, maybe it was the summer. It was, no, it was before it was the summer. And um, Mimi, Mimi Cannabis and Tracy Lamore came to visit me at the lounge as they do sometimes all the way from Hamilton. They're dear friends of mine, just like family. And they said, Absolutely we've got a surprise from you. I know. Don't, aren't they love. I just interviewed her actually. She oh, is. Yeah. Like, it was so weird because we were supposed to be talking about her and we talked racism and politics and like, yeah. She's a badass in the yeah. anti-racism yeah. movement. She is. She absolutely is. Um, yeah. I'm going to go. I want to talk about Tracy for a minute. So let's go back to that question that you asked me. But Tracy Lamore um, is somebody like she's my publicist. She found me like when I first started in cannabis, she found me and she's been by my side ever since. We go to trade shows together. Um, I, I, I consider her family. We call her mama fire. She's just, she's so good and passionate. But the thing about Tracy is not that she's a wonderful publicist. It's her heart and her activism. She yes. is so passionate about the things that she's passionate about. And that's why she is mama fire. The work that she's done for death row inmates. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about her and for, for anything to do with, with racism. She's the one who said, publicly at the very beginning of the of 2020's Black Lives Matter gather, uh, movement. She's the one who said publicly, this is the biggest civil rights movement of our time. Get off your butt. It is time now to support. And that right there fired me up enough, Devin, that I actually held a Black Lives Matter gathering in Orno in a town of 1,200 people where when I said to the other business owners, I'm going to do this, they said, you, you get half an hour and those people are not using our washers and this is not happening and coming into our village. Right. So that's it. I had like the people that showed up, maybe 50 people and like, you know what I mean? Not many people and maybe 15% of them were actually from Orono. The others were people that I invited from other areas. So you can see what I had to go against to try to put a gathering like that together. However, Tracy Lamore showed up and she brought Lucy Ruth who is a very well-known speaker. And we had a beautiful gathering. Had I not heard those words from Tracy Lamore, I wouldn't have thought, yes, you know what? I All right, looks like we have our Reverend back. 
So you were telling us about the event that you held. So I'm not sure where we, we cut off, but I was telling, uh, I was I wanted to talk about Tracy because I don't think I would have uh, been able to put that. Well, I wouldn't, I would have been able to, but I wouldn't have been inspired. That's the right way to say it. I wouldn't have been inspired if she hadn't said that so feverishly, so strong to say something like that. And I just went, yeah, it's time. We need to wake up. What transpired from there is I asked a friend of mine to come and speak. Her name is Sibu. She's African. And she said, oh, yes, I would love to come and speak. And then she called me and she said, could my 13-year-old daughter come and sing a song that she wrote for this time? And I, of course, yes, of course. Now, since that has happened, her name is Bolu. And I'm getting goosebumps thinking about her. Her song is Make It Right. And she is now world-renowned with this song, this message that Devin, I'm gonna send you the recording. Um, it's just so inspirational. It's like 2020, why are we doing this? Why do I have to feel this way? And she's right, 13 years old. And she's talking about the horrors that she's seeing and that the things that are happening in the news and talking about how she shouldn't have to see this. And she's absolutely right, she shouldn't. So because of that gathering and because of Tracy Lamore's words, this little girl is now spreading a message worldwide. Isn't that beautiful? That's so thank so you to Tracy for doing that. And Tracy's been helping Bolu as well. She's been uh, helping her on a, in a public relations way as well. So shout out to Tracy because she's so great. That's awesome. So I want to get back to how you got involved with the Bud Sisters. And the reason that I want to get back to that is because nothing in the history of Canada has existed like the Bud Sisters before. And yes. it's so cool to be on the inside of it. Like, I mean, it's it's like being in a sorority. Yes. But to also see how many of our partners and supporters on the outside are yes. white women is huge. Like, it just makes me feel really good and included. So how did you get involved with them? Well, because that's so Tracy and Mimi brought them to my lounge, thankfully. And I thank goddess above uh, for the day that they walked in. And it was just so... Like it was like clicking into place, you know, when you meet kindred spirits and you know you're going to be friends with these people. And um, they came, and it was just, it, and and we've been friends, we've been friends ever since. They're very unique, the two of them. The way uh, Natalie is a grower, and Kadish has gone to school for Canada's education. So it's a very unique perspective that the two of them bring together. A yin yang, if, if however absolutely you say it. Yeah, and I really really like that about them, and they are very different people as well um and so it's really neat and then they just keep finding people all over in the There's usa like and in Canada, right to bring there was to like, bring there was like 200 and when i first got the invitation i was like oh i don't know if i want to join a group and then i joined and all of a sudden it was like 200 300 400 and there are 500 black women in canada that smoke weed oh, i thought of i was the one nah there's this of course, everybody's smoking weed, Devin. And we're all so, smoking weed, Devin. In um, the interview that we did, it was actually the reason I was late to this one is because I was just watching that and thinking how oh, I need to step up my video game. Um, but you mentioned you don't watch the news, you don't listen to politics, you don't participate in any of that. How do you function like that? Nothing. Because it's, it's so very to me. So yeah, no, there's nothing. Um, I don't, so when I get in the car, I have satellite radio. 
Um, I don't have any um, newspaper publications or magazines delivered to my home. When um, I'm on social media, on my Instagram, I only follow cannabis companies, nothing personal whatsoever. Uh, on my Facebook, if I have friends, which I have hundreds of thousands or however many friends I have, I, I don't follow most of them. They're just friends because of a, a unique connection at some point. And so I don't have, I filter it all out. It's gone. There's no television in my home except for like there's a TV hooked up to a video game system at my front. My son plays sometimes um, and we have Netflix when we want to put it on the computer or what have you. But really, I don't, I don't jump into a virtual world. The only world I jump into is Kelly's Green Lounge, literally. So all I do outside of my personal life with my partner and my son and my friends and my family is Kelly's Green Lounge. And so I do the news on Monday mornings on Pace Radio, but it's cannabis news. Pace Radio is a cannabis news station or a cannabis uh, station. And so my co-host is always like, hey, Kelly, do you know what we're talking about today? It's an election. <laughs> we're like, yep, <laughs> I don't know anything about that. And because uh, the only news I look into is cannabis. Now, of course, there's things that cross over. We talk about how Joe Biden is going to legalize cannabis or, you know, different things or today the news um, we had how Amsterdam is changing its policies, you know, like, so there is outside sources that I learn from, but it's only through cannabis. And I just feel safer that way. I like that. Now, my partner doesn't. So he, when there are things that I need to know about, like, perhaps it's to do with the pandemic, or perhaps it's to do with like, just anything that maybe the bylaws are changing for something, then he'll say, Kelly, there's something that you need to know about this. Um, I'm always up to date on business relations, because I have to be, it's a requirement through Canada. Um, but other than that, I keep myself in a bubble and I'm always happy and I find it's much safer here. Um, I think that's an important word that you're using because when we did our interview for KGL TV, you mentioned complex trauma. And I feel like I, I avoided what happened with George Floyd, like the plague. I did whatever I could to not watch the video when white people were like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Leave me alone. Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to discuss it. And then Chris Cuomo, because, you know, we've talked about this. He's so damn pretty. I put him on my show, on my TV and there's the video. And it affected me so deeply that I feel like sometimes I traumatize myself by watching and consuming all of this news. Yes. And that word that you yes. used, safety is so important. How did you discover, like, this is what I need to cut out of my life in order to be productive and happy and healthy and strong for other people? Yeah, so I actually didn't just cut everything like that out. I cut humans out. So I don't have contact, very minimal contact with anyone in my life prior to KGL. And um, it's because they were making choices in their lives, perhaps that I don't vibrate with, or that's not part of my frequency. And I have to really think about that. So we only are, we're responsible for our own frequencies, our own selves. And if we find that our vibe is not connecting with other humans, that's completely okay. There are billions of people in this world that are going to be along our frequency, that are going to be along our vibe. 
So if you have to walk away or say goodbye to people that maybe just are not part of your vibration or your frequency, then that's certainly okay. You wish them well, you forgive them for anything that they've done, and you walk into your own frequency and your vibe. And that I found is the best way to do it because I don't really need to be mixing into a place outside of my bubble with humans that just I'm not jiving with, don't make sense to me. So it's not just, I didn't just detox myself from outside sources. I detox myself from people that maybe I found that were toxic as well. So I just find like, you know, there's lots of things that you can do to keep yourself safe. Just, you just have to know and feel intuition. I'm a Reiki healer, I'm a Reiki master. So that means that I'm in tuned um, to the universal energies. That right there is cause enough to not have to be in anyone's energy or frequency. I feel everything. I'm an empath in so deep, deep felt empath. I'll tell you a story. My boyfriend was telling me recently about how we're, we're going to be going to Jamaica uh, and doing a crossover there um, and like uh, teaching cannabis. And he told me that there are children there without shoes. And I didn't know this. This wasn't something, as I said, I, I keep myself very in my bubble. And I, I couldn't tell, I couldn't stop crying for probably an hour, Devin. I was looking at ways that I could get shoes over there and you need to make sure, do you know what I mean? So one little sentence just affected me right away like that, because I, I feel it's so deep inside of my heart chakra. So if you just find that that's happening to you and you're intuitively upset all the time, you're panicked, anxious, worried, depressed, anything like that. If you need that balance, you know, you need to start setting boundaries you know that you need to be walking away from the toxic people, detoxing from the toxic shows, even the toxic music, anything, podcasts even, things that are going to start triggering you, that you don't need to have those triggers. You have, you have had trauma in your life. You have suffered. You have survived trauma. Why do you need to keep living any of it? Why do you need to keep being reminded of it? You don't. Put it away. Close the scar. Put it up. Tell yourself you love yourself. Tell yourself I love the scar and walk away from it. Don't open it up again because there's no need to. Put it away. That's all that needs to happen. We don't keep picking at scars on our skin. Why are we continuing to pick at scars on our heart? If that news station is going to pick at the scar at your heart, turn it off. I find that fascinating that you've said that because I, uh, for probably the last two, three years, have been going back in my mind to the places and the the people that hurt me and where I was, what I was feeling. I've been imagining it all and reopening that scar. And I think I've been doing it because for so long I ignored it. Right. Like I just, I, I was like, I'm not capable of dealing with this. And I said this on your show, my brain just was like, no, we're not dealing with this. We're not doing this until you start smoking weed. And lately I've been having that same thought. Like, why are you opening that scar? Why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you punishing yourself for something that wasn't your fault? And I went through the same thing. I cut everybody out of my life and I was like, leave me alone. Go away. I'll see you in a couple of years. But right now I need to just be Devin without anybody else's influence. You do not need reminders. And I'll tell you that now when I do see them, people from my, I call it my former life, from the life that I lived prior, um, or a contact or, or any of those outside sources, I've, I've had enough time away from it that I've healed 
enough that it doesn't affect me the way that it would have if I kept it festering or, or picking at it and allowing uh, my boundaries to be crossed or the toxicity into my life. So now when I have it entered for whatever reason, because sometimes you have to see people at a funeral per se or a wedding that you just, you know, people from your life, from your past life. And that would maybe trigger you or remind you, well, you know what? I've dealt with it. I've healed. I've parented my inner child. All the steps that you need to take to be whole and balanced. And as we were saying on when you were doing my podcast, um, that you used cannabis to heal. So you've put your medicine in your body. You've healed yourself. You've closed up your scars. Why are you hurting yourself again? By opening up that scar in that wound, your medicine has loved you enough to heal you. And so now you just need to, you know, accept that and move on. Don't keep picking at that scar. It's, that is that is really, really good advice for people who have experienced or are experiencing trauma. And, and I will say, just added to that, sometimes when it first happens, you need to do that in order to heal. You know what I mean? You need to kind of clean out the wound a little bit, but, but you're right. Eventually you have to get to the point where you're like, no, I'm done. I'm ready to move on now. Um, you mentioned tarot cards and <clears throat> for the record, this is not something we've ever done on the show. It's not something I'm comfortable with, but because Kelly, you were, you're so fucking cool. <laughs> and because Kadisha and, and Natalie trust you, I there and trust you. <clears throat> so Kelly's going to do a tarot reading. I'm so for excited. Yours truly. And I'm, I have to tell you, I am really nervous because here's the thing about tarot. Tell it me. doesn't bullshit and it doesn't lie. No. The cards will That's always right. tell you the truth, whether you like it or always. not. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person who does not like to be slapped in the face by truth <sighs> because usually what happens is I already know what the cards are going to say. And then it's the universe's way of being like, if you already know this, why are you wasting my time? And then I feel like a bit of a dumbass because I'm getting oh. an actual told you so. So I'm a Devin, little nervous. You're not going to believe what's happening. This is very, you, um, you must have a spiritual gift. As soon as I picked the cards up, my arms charged with energy. I don't know if you can, you probably can't see. So um, as you know, I'm a Reiki master and a tarot card reader, uh, and I read the tarot overall. And I believe that those are vessels from the universe to speak through me to the person that needs a message from the universe. And the fact that you said that, um, and the universe is aware that you know and understand that, it's very beautiful that you, because um, there's a lot of people that, yeah, pull a card for me. I kind of believe you. You know what I mean? But like the fact that you're like, you know, oh, no, I have, I mean, is, I, I have been yeah. to, the, I have been to places in my mind and in the, in the universe where I have gotten the smackdown and I have been told like, you already know yeah. what you know. So why yeah. are you questioning it? Right. And it's, it's kind of like being told off by your mom. Who's always right. Cause my mom is yeah. always right. Yeah. You don't want to hear it. No. You know, it's true, but you don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. So what I do is I put the energy into the cards by having okay. this conversation with you and talking to you. As you can see, these are my goddess cards. I know that the people can't see them because they're listening, <laughs> but you can see it. Um, and these so are, these ones are mine. This is what I use. Hidden realms. Oh, I love that. Photo. They're so on point every time. Yeah. 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 So what's going to happen is you're just going to tell me 
when to stop shuffling and then your card will be at the top and that's okay. how we'll do it yes usually I don't when i prolong this too long so we'll say yeah. stop you'll know when you feel it you'll know when it's time usually when i i'm reading someone and they're uh -huh. and i'm with them then it, it's the cards i can't cut anymore it's the cards will tell me to stop but okay. you're here so tell me i i'm okay with stopping all right because they're getting hard to shuffle that means that it's time that's that's all i was trying to say okay you ready your card is isis past life the situation involves your past life memories. So it might be the universe may be calling on you to actually take a look. I believe, Devin, um, as I explained to you before, I believe that you're a warrior. I, I really do. I believe that you have had the strife that you've had, the tumultuous life that you've had, the uphill battle, because you're supposed to be using your voice, because you're supposed to be a warrior here. And you're supposed to, like you just, you said on, on, on the interview with me, I'm not a victim. No, you are not. You are a warrior lady. And I see that from you. So I'm wondering if maybe the universe is actually calling on you to try to find some strength from your past life. Because I bet you that you have been connected in your past life somehow to some other warriors. That's I believe that I that's true. And that's exactly what I said was the cards do not lie. They don't bullshit. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. And this is on behalf of everyone who's listening right now being like, well, yeah, that kind of fits me too. I'm fucking tired. Tell me. I, that <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired. I would yeah. like a break. I great. I'm a warrior. I'm a healer. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you, universe. Can I have a trip yeah. to Hawaii now? Yeah. That's how I feel. I get it. I get it. You're ready. You want uh, you want just a moment to catch your breath because you've been yeah. treading for a long time. I get that. That's the fight or flight response when it's almost okay. like you can't calm. So my suggestion to you, because here's the thing, um, warriors don't get much of a break, honey. And I'm sorry to say that because I'm one too, and I do not rest. So here's what I'm going to recommend. Sleeping better in a really, really hard state, like a deep, deep edible, because that's going to give you enough of the rest for your beautiful warrior heart that you can get up the next day and just go again with no doubt, because that's who you are. And I really believe that that's what you're supposed to be doing. So if you're feeling tired, you get that sleep at night, that really like six to eight hour, like good solid, I'm eating that heavy edible kind of stuff. And meet that, uh, meet that fight the next day. I feel like um, you're right. I'm not sure. How I'm going to go about getting that sleep because, and, and, and that's one thing where cannabis, and I think you can attest to has really helped. Like it's definitely improved my sleep. It's improved how much I eat. All right. So we're back with Rev Kelly. Um, I think I might like just throw in some tunes in there or something. <laughs> I, um, in terms of being a warrior and being a tired warrior, which many people who are listening can understand. I wonder where in your journey did you go maybe I should try cannabis like what was your your warrior origin story so like I I really always had cannabis around I was never because I, I told you I worked in the music industry and I dated musicians and I you know went on tours and it was just like I was a hippie I just always had 
weed. So I just, um, I never thought of it as illegal either. So when like, <laughs> it was like, I did, there was just always weed around and it was just great. And then all of a sudden people were talking about it being legalized. And um, I just found that I had to learn more about it. And um, that's sort of what happened with that. But at the same time as learning about it, I was like, oh, well, that, that's happening for me. Oh, now I can use it for sleep. Oh, oh, I feel better. And so I started to recognize that this is not just a recreation, re recreational product. This is therapeutic. So at the same time, as I'm going to school for different courses, McMaster University, Science of Cannabis, I'm learning all of the different properties of the plant and all of the different parts that are helping me. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's, it's medicine. And then I got it and I was like, oh, well, now this is just going to save our world. So I absolutely know what it is. I think that if we, we recognize it, then hemp and cannabis will heal our entire planet. I agree. Yes. I agree. I think that um, the reintroduction of cannabis into society has really started to alter the way that people see the world and what, and the bullshit that they're willing to put up with. Um, yeah. One of the things that I've noticed about cannabis is uh, I remember I was 16 or 17 years old, maybe 17 or 18. And um, I had asked somebody, why we never hang out and then somebody had offered me a joint and I took a hit not thinking anything of it and she gave me some like non-committal answer and all of a sudden I was like no it's because you're a bitch and I went oh cannabis makes me more honest like it doesn't allow me this space to hold things but I've learned how to control myself now but back then I found that it really forced me to be honest about what I was thinking and how I was feeling. And that was not something that I had been used to. Do you notice that too? Yeah. Here's the thing is that cannabis, and this is, this is what my church is all about. So um, I believe the Rastafarian belief of cannabis revealing us to ourselves. So we, when we consume cannabis, we go deep inside of ourselves. We, things taste better. We uh, hear music better. We make love better. Things are always heightened, elevated in a beautiful way. And the reason for that is because we go into ourselves and find who we really are. We're pushing away the facade. We're pushing away the fakeness and those boundaries and really accepting who we are inside. Cannabis allowed me to love myself. Cannabis allowed me to really find myself and love myself because that's really me. So Devin, if you're being honest with someone, that's because that's really you. You're not yeah, putting for sure anymore. Your cannabis won't allow that. She won't let you. She wants you to tell the truth and be honest with yourself. She also wants you to love yourself. I, I absolutely think that's true. And I think that I have found the cannabis community to be so much more welcoming and open than I expected. Um, because I'm a woman of color, I've dealt with a lot of racism and a lot of race issues growing up. And so to see all these people who are like, yeah, we smoke the ganja and they're white, they're Indian, they're Palestinian, they're African, they're Portuguese, they're like all different races and creeds yeah. and nationalities and they're fighting for the same thing, which is a better world for their kids. It's pretty cool to be a part of. It's, oh, cannabis does not discriminate. No. And, 
at, in any way. There's no, and I, I don't know if you know, but this past year, um, I put together a men of cannabis calendar and the men are very diverse. There's uh, different ages, sexualities, different flavors of humans. And that's because cannabis does not discriminate. So we shouldn't. And there is no divide. I also don't have a divide when it comes to cannabis, legal cannabis, legacy cannabis, uh, indigenous cannabis, spiritual cannabis, medical cannabis. There should be no line crossed there either. Or there should be no lines in the sand there. It should just be cannabis. And cannabis is for everyone. There have been, um, I want to say allegations, I guess, is the best word of cannabis companies ha having mold in their in their cultivars and people are not talking about that um in terms of what happens in behind the scenes versus what the public knows about what are some things that you know about that maybe the average user who only uses once or twice and isn't really into the the back end sort of stuff might not know but needs to know well, here's the thing is that when you're talking about companies that leave mold in their products, their <laughs> Health Canada, Health Canada regulations, um, you, you have to irradiate your cannabis. There are some companies, that, I, I don't know, I don't want to accuse companies. I'm just going to say facts here. So there are LP LPs that have gone bankrupt in the last two years. They started out with high hopes. They made a lot of promises uh, when legalization happened and they've gone under. And my belief for that is because when you have dollars and cents in your eyes, when it comes to cannabis, you will fail. Our plant does not want to be bought and sold. There will become, there will come money, of course, through different things because cannabis needs us to keep the message going and the path going. But if that's your, your sole purpose, you're going to fail. And we've seen that in the last two years, we've seen legal companies lose their shirts, people out of work, um, people losing their, their medical cannabis uh, because their LP has gone under. So it's been very difficult, but these are the people that are just looking for money and that's certainly not the way to do it. I find it really interesting that you talk about cannabis <clears throat> like it's a living, breathing thing. Mm -hmm. It 100% is. It's so, to me, so uh, I have had the privilege of going to Reiki plants in massive grows. Uh, like we're talking hundreds of plants. Uh, it has been, it's been an honor and a privilege to be able to do that. And I will tell you going into grows like that is sacred because you can feel the spiritual energy from these plants. Unlike anything else I've ever felt in my life. So it is a living thing. It's a breathing thing. And, and I refer to it as she, because we consume the female plant. Although I will say the, the male plant has just as much need or purpose in cannabis. So I don't want it to be like, like, yes, yeah, just female, but it's, it's, we do consume the female plant. So when I do think of cannabis, I, I do think of it as feminine, divine feminine energy brought to us from goddess. Goddess put all of those plants here for us, for our well being, for our healing. I believe that we need these plants and we need cannabis cannabinoids in our system for balance, for homeostasis balance. So, yes, it, it's more to me than just smoking a dube or <laughs> like a bong or, or even edibles or anything, or even just teaching about it it's more to me than anything it, it, it's spiritual it, it's what I am it's it's my religion it's my belief it's it's everything to me Devin I I think that's such a, a powerful statement because 
coming from a place where I was absolutely, I still, I mean, I went to the protests in Vancouver. I've smoked a joint with Mark Emery, who, you know what, I'm going to say it, you're a douche. Um, I've done all the things that you're supposed to do when you're promoting cannabis use, but I didn't, like, I wasn't a heavy smoker. I wasn't in, involved in the cannabis industry. I wasn't connected to anybody that was. It was just what you did because it's what your friends were doing, right? Right. And now, um, when I talk to people about cannabis, they're on the same wavelength, that it is a living, breathing creature, that it does provide so many positive things to our lives, and that we have to absolutely take care of it and respect it, which is why I choose not to grow, because... <laughs> <laughs> no green thumb <laughs> no Natalie Cox would kill me she would like I would no longer be a bud sister it would just not happen it's it would so be funny. so bad yeah. um what advice do you have to people who are like I want to try cannabis but I'm nervous or I'm scared or I'm oh. like the paranoia is big for some people oh I know and one of the things we offer through Kelly's Green Lounge is a toke buddy experience and then um, so you can come and see us and if you've had a scare or you've had a green out situation or what we would call overconsumption, then we will consume with you and we will stay with you and we have all of the knowledge to be able to help you straighten yourself out or come out of that um, there's different things that you can do or things you can take or consume to um, straighten yourself out if you have overconsumed, but I, it scares me when that happens. And here's why there are people that are trying it for medical benefits. So you go out and you get your, um, you get to get your medical cannabis and you overconsume and you get scared and you never go back to it again. And so you go back to your doctor and you ask for those pills that you said you were going to go off of for the medical cannabis. So Overconsumption is a big deal. No, you can't die from it. Nobody's ever overdosed from cannabis, but it can scare you enough that you're not going to go back to it again. So my suggestion is always to start low and grow. And that means when I mean start low, I mean enough that you're not even going to get high. We all have receptors in our bodies called CB1 and CB2 receptors. They're part of what's called an endocannabinoid system. Everybody has one. And what you want to do if you're just starting out is to just sort of tingle it just a little tiny bit. There are some um, clients that come and see me. And what I say to them is I say, make some popcorn and a big bowl of popcorn. Now put two kernels that are infused into that big bowl of popcorn. That's just that little bit. Then the next night you have four. Then the next night you have six. And it's just enough that you're going to get a little bit of, oh, I feel a little bit calmer or just something like the edges are taken off. Not enough that you're going to get high because then you're not going to consume again and you're going to get scared off. So just start low and get to the point where you get to that, whether maybe it's 10 kernels of popcorn, and I'm just using that for an example. There could be a puff or, or however else you like to consume, a drop or, or whatever if it's a change. I mean, I like the idea of eating popcorn every day for five days. That yeah, sounds see? awesome to me. Do it. And then just add in a little bit of a little bit of THC in it, just a tiny little bit and just keep going until you feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, I had a question and I got lost in the sound of your voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I, I swear to God, I'm not stoned yet. I only had one puff today. I was waiting so that I could smoke with you. What strain <laughs> are you smoking today? Oh, I have, um, I have Pineapple Express uh, vape pen. Oh, that's the famous strain. Everybody likes the Pineapple Express. 
you know what? It's my favorite. It's my favorite of all of them. And I, and the, the strange thing about that is that when we were still using the language of sativa and indica, we would have referred to it as a sativa. Now we know we are looking at the profiles of the cultivars, but when we have looked at that profile of the pineapple express cultivar, it was labeled under the sativa. Well, Devin, I can't consume sativa cultivars. I, they make me go bonkers. I'm already <laughs> vibrating at like this crazy frequency. So if you add something that we would have called a sativa uh, dominant cultivar, then I just go <laughs> like a crazy person. <laughs> but I really, See, I find that interesting to, because for me, what me. would have been referred to as a sativa puts me to sleep and I am like completely dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot function that's why we can't say sativa and indica anymore. Yeah. That's why we need to change the language because then you've got somebody that's just like you and you're not alone. There's so many people that are like that, that will, it's the exact opposite. What we need to do is we need to check the profile. So when we're, for example, the Pineapple Express profile has a terpene profile or the cannabinoids that I like that maybe would have falled, uh, fell under the sativa profile before, but now just fall under their own because you just got to look what's in it just like a yeah. recipe and and I think that that's really important to mention um I was actually watching Luke Cage today and they talk about how the way that people get their superpowers is different based on who it is and what their DNA type is and and their DNA profile and all of that and I feel like cannabis is the same because pineapple express might be really great for you but it might not necessarily work as well for me Exactly. And we need to take note of that. And the best way to do it is for people to uh, look up the cultivar profile online and see what terpenes, what flavonoids, and what cannabinoids are in it. it hopefully, it would match up as best as you can, just sort of. And, and what's lovely is that a lot of the dispensaries and, and online are actually adding the profiles now um, when people look up the different cultivar names. So you, we're learning, we're, we're recognizing the need for that. And that's how I believe, if I believe everybody has their own recipe, their own profile that they need for the homeostasis balance. So if you figure out what, exactly what works for you and you're able to find a cultivar or even make a cultivar, I'm talking about like futuristic kind of stuff, then eventually you're gonna find exactly your medicine for your balance and you're gonna be perfect. So because you have so much experience running your own lounge and in the cannabis industry, I want to ask you, when people are going into a dispensary for the first time, what, what should they be looking for? So that's so that's exactly that the profiles of the cultivars, because you want to start recognizing what terpenes specifically terpenes I know that we, we want to talk about cannabinoids when we want to talk about THC and we want to talk about CBD absolutely, but there's so many other ones out there that are coming out that are going to be profiled. But the thing that you're looking for now is the terpene profile you want to know what works best for you. I like myrcene. I like that I like the and I like uh, beta carol I'm awful at pronunciation. And that one's like a spicier one. It just, uh, I, I like the ones that have more of what we would have been considered the indica profile of yesterday. So if you know that and you're walking into a dispensary, oh, you're going to get a product that you are going to love. Another thing that I would suggest about that is to, is to see what kind of variety they have. A lot of places favor different LPs, but if you have an LP that you really love and you want to be able to find 
um, the source of it, make sure that you find a dispensary that has that. Unfortunately, we're in a system that dispensaries are not able to give out uh, educational information. It's probably one of the worst things in the cannabis industry today is that somebody cannot walk into a dispensary and ask medical information. You can't ask about dosing. You can't ask about what you, uh, what you need for an ailment to feel better. Those bud tenders are not allowed to tell that. It's, it's the worst thing of the Cannabis Act. I could probably go on forever about it. So what you want to do if you're going into a dispensary, know ahead of time. Find a cannabis consultant. There's so many online. I can find one for you if you're looking. There's people that you can go in and Google proper information, good information about what you're looking for so you know. And then the final thing that I want to suggest is don't go searching for the big high. Don't go looking for 26% THC or big, huge dabs and extracts that you think are going to just make your eyes spin around in your head because they literally are, but it's going to maybe make you not feel that good. When you're looking for cannabis as a medicine, you want to heal yourself. You don't want to just be like, I need to eat more Doritos, right? You want to be well to yourself and remember that you're putting medicine into your temple. I think that that is such a huge, uh, another huge statement because a lot of times people assume that the reason that we smoke cannabis is just because we want to be high all the time. But like for me, like I said to you on your show, when I smoked tuna for the first time, uh, which is another cultivar, which you might know is the word strain has been replaced with the word cultivar. Um, I felt like I could breathe again. It was like, oh my God, there you are, Devin. Where have you been for the last year and a half? And that's what cannabis does for people. It's not about just being high in the dome and then munching on chips. Although that does feel good too, though. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. So I want to talk about one more thing before we close because we mentioned it on your show, and I feel like um, I feel like celebrating the fact that I'm a geek and I don't get to do it very often. Mm-hmm. Who is your favorite superhero? Aquaman, Aquaman, of course, Aquaman, and not even because of Aquaman that lives in the sea. It's because it's played by Jason Momoa, who is my other boyfriend. Shh, don't tell my real wife. <laughs> does, does his wife know that she's that he's your other boyfriend? I'd be friends with her too. I love okay. her too. He's married to Lisa Bonet, who's like one of the most beautiful women to ever walk the earth. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> I actually, it's so funny because I, I was watching the interview that we did um, for KGLTV and I had forgotten that you had said that um, because he's not one of my favorites because he's played by Jason Momoa. Because what? I don't like Jason Momoa. No, <laughs> you don't like Jason Momoa? No. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> women, I can hear women are all you, over the world. Are you going, Wait, that what? Me? <laughs> he's nice. He's gorgeous. He's like generous. He's a great actor. He looks amazing on screen. Like, I don't care. <laughs> you're, you're admitting it now, well into our friendship, Devin. <laughs> Sorry, love. I just, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Well, who do you love? Who's your favorite? Okay, everybody knows the answer to that. That's I, I Captain know you, America. It's Captain America, but but I'm talking about like the actor. Cause like we can talk about superheroes, but I talked about Jason Momoa, but who's your like boy crush? Um, 
I don't have a boy crush, but I will say that my favorite like superhero actor is Robert Downey Jr. Just because he has been through so much in his lifetime. And like, you want to talk about warrior. He, he went through some dark shit and he came out on the other side and he he came out on the other side in a way that helps to inspire young boys and girls around the world. Mm -hmm. And I look at that and it's like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be somebody who um, shows other people how to get it done like he has. Oh, well, uh, newsflash, Devin, you are. No. So you are. No, you are, Devin. You are a living superhero. I actually, when I finished my interview with you, I went downstairs in my house and I said that to my partner. I said, I just spoke to a hero. And I told him how, I told him about your story and I told him how much you're a hero. You're a hero because you use your voice, because you don't ever, ever play the victim and you speak loudly and you speak for other people. Okay, that's not necessarily true. I do. I have been known to pull out the I am a victim card. I try not to do it often, but there are times where I get petulant and childish. And and that's one of those things where um, cannabis specifically has really taught me, and I'm sure you, how to be accountable for my behavior and how to be like, oh, wow, okay, I could have done things better there. Yes. Wow. You know what? I love that you said that. That's so important. I love that you said that. That's so honest. Yes, it does make us it because as we were saying, it makes us accountable because we go into ourselves, into our truth. Hey, I feel extra guilty about what I just did today. I feel extra guilty about my behavior. I'm going to do better next time. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to say I never feel guilty, but that's not true. I, uh, I am absolutely not perfect and I I recognize that, but I also realize that using cannabis, and again, this is something I'm sure you'll agree with, um, has taught me how, how to be stronger and how to be like, was that really me or was that the cannabis or was that a mixture of both? And that's where the accountability comes in yeah. because then you really start thinking about like, why would I, why did I behave this way? What triggered that response for me? Or um, how do I acknowledge that this is what triggered that response and how do I do better the next time, right? Yep. Um, and a lot of that has come from women like yourself and Kadisha Thornhill and Natalie Cox who are constantly telling me to give myself a break. Yep. Um, but that's because we tend to see people from the outside on a pedestal and we ignore the garbage that we see around them. So, right. See, yeah. Don't think like that. So for other women who look to you and want to say, I want to be like Kelly when I grew up. (laughs) Oh, don't even go there. Cause they're, they're out there. I have seen them. I have heard them. I hear them now. What is your advice? Like, how did you get through? I call it the river of shit. The shit that we had to swim through to get to the place where we could start building our own foundations. What's your You know what? You know what you need to do every, and, and, and every single human needs to do it, but especially women um, that may not have, have had the best relationship with their mother. What really needs to happen with, for everyone to heal and to put themselves back together with tape and glue or whatever we need, we need to go back and parent our inner child. It's a 
term you may hear people talking about, and I heard it and I thought it was silly until I really actually did it. And I have to go back and love that baby and love that. And, I, and I'm a mom and I probably wouldn't have been able to go back and parent that inner child if I didn't love my child so much. And the reason for that is because I love him so much that I need to go heal myself so I can be the best for him. So I went back and I, I dealt with it. I dealt with the bad parenting. I dealt with anything that had happened when I was little. I wasn't loved enough or I wasn't saved enough. I wasn't protected enough or whatever it was that I had to go back and heal or whatever it is that other humans have to go back and see. Maybe their mom left when they were little. Maybe someone died. Maybe something happened to them as that fragile child in that fragile state where there was a trauma. And, um, it needs to be healed. So go back. And then that doesn't just stop. There are so many times when I picture myself rubbing myself on the back. It's okay. You're going to be okay. It's okay. I love you. I still love you because I have to parent that inner child that had trauma. So if you're moving forward to healing, to being whole, that's what has to happen for that to happen. That is such truly, really, like, just really good advice. And yeah. I don't think that we focus enough. When we talk about self-love, we don't really talk about what that means. And I feel like you're, you hit the nail on the head. It means going back in and just saying, I love you to yes. yourself Absolutely. and acknowledging all that pain and, and letting it hurt sometimes. Yep. Yep. And, and that's what happens. Hurt. You're going to wash it out. You got to get your our eyes water for a reason. We have to let that out. That is an, I, I'm, sometimes when I have Reiki clients, they, they don't even, I don't even come for Reiki. They just come to hold my hand and cry because sometimes that's what we need to have happen. And that's what we need to have happen to heal. That is wonderful advice. I, I really enjoy talking to you. Um, I'm going to be doing, I'm putting you on the spot because I'm asking you on the record, but I don't care. Um, I'm going to be doing a chat in a little bit with a group of women from different walks, different races, different creeds about cannabis, about womanhood, about life. I would love for you to be a part of it. Um, because I think that you, you just encompass so much that is light and love of the world. And I would like to continue showcasing that on, on this platform. Thank you, Devin. I, I would love to. Anything that you would need. I really, you're an excellent interviewer. Excellent. Um, eh, and I'm still no, you really are. And, the, and here's the thing. Um, I, I, I do a lot of interviews and I have my whole life working in media. And um, I don't say that to everybody that interviews me, Devin. I, I'm you. telling you, you're an excellent interviewer. I've, I've, been, I've enjoyed my, my time with you here today. Thank you. Where can people find you on social media? And don't say Twitter because you're never there. I don't go, I don't, you know what, my sister, well, my, uh, she, she's my VP of operations now, she runs the Twitter account, I don't even know the login for it, because I'm so busy with uh, Instagram and Facebook, so I post, um, I do a minimum of 150 posts a month on Instagram, God. and I, um, we have an active community of 3,100 people on Facebook, which is, when I say active, like, like, we're talking of thousands of posts all of the time, uh, collectively yeah. a week. So um, we are very, very busy and active online community. It's just Kelly's Green Lounge right across the board. We also have kellysgreenlounge.ca where we have our marketplace. Um, and soon, later this month, KGL TV is coming, which is a designated cannabis uh, channel, TV channel. That, are you, that is so cool. 
I am impressed. Yeah, thank you. And we're actually, um, the Cannabis Church of KGL is being erected. We are um, applying through Vital Statistics Canada, and we're pretty sure we're going to be uh, given, granted permission to have the very first cannabis church in all of Canada. So cannabis will actually be a quote unquote religion, which is not what I want to call it, but it's what the government calls it is cannabis will be an actual recognized religion. That's amazing. Yeah, it's fun. Huge, huge strides. Yeah. Well, I hope you will come here soon. When you come to Ontario, will you come to Calgary Lounge? Over. I have already been told by Kadisha and Natalie that all of us West Coast Bud Sisters will be dragged for Carabana. Um, I believe next year. So, yeah, I'm excited. Um, Thank you so much for being a part of the show. I'm, I was going to spark up with you, but then my lighter died. (gasps) So (laughs) I'm going to have to go old school and use my candle, which just (laughs) happens to be lit. Um, Thank you so much, Kelly, for being a part of this and for everything that you do for cannabis and for women and for people of color. I think you're amazing. Uh, make sure y'all check her out at Kelly's Green Lounge on Facebook. And is it kellysgreenlounge.ca? Yes. Yes, it is. Thank you so much for having me. I love you very much. I love you. I love you. Goddess and cannabis <laughs> blessed you. You can find me on Twitter always at Devin J. Hall and at loudmouthbrowngirl.com.